In this episode, we're chatting with Dr. Nick Housley, the Director of Clinical Research for Modus Nova. This is the second episode of our Modus Nova series about stroke recovery and rehabilitation. How does Modus Nova help stroke and brain injury survivors bridge the gap in their recovery at home? Let's find out from Dr. Nick. Boom, intro done. Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Lauren. And we are the, the Neuro Nerds. Yes, that was on time. I feel pretty good. About, I feel pretty good about that. Welcome to the Neuro Nerds. Once again, I say it every week. I absolutely mean it every week. Very special episode. Special guest today from Modus Nova, the chief. Wait, I already butchered it. Nick, I already butchered it. Dr. Nick, chief. What? What? what, You just said it. Chief scientist. Yeah, the chief scientist of Modus Nova. And I just made this big deal about how I would not refer I would make people refer to me as chief scientist and nothing else. And if they said Joe, I wouldn't even acknowledge that they were there. It would have to be chief scientist Joe. So welcome to the show, chief scientist, Dr. Nick Housley. What's going on, Dr. Nick? I am uh, uh, not much. Thanks so much for having me here, Joe. This is going to be a uh, a fun time. I'm really excited about this. I I, I hope so, especially (laughs) the fact that I already butchered your intro when in my head it was flawless and it was going to be great. And I think I just got stuck on the the chief scientist. I love that. It kind of makes you seem like like a superhero, right? Sure, sure. I mean that that's coming from you, but uh, I'll accept that. that that's fair. That's, fair. <laughs> yeah, that's coming from you. Also, it's coming from the world because I am chief scientist, Doctor Nick Housley. So, <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about Modus Nova right away. I've met you before before I actually met you because in using Modus Nova, you pop up a lot. Yeah, yeah, talk, I do. You've talked to me a lot on Modus Nova. Can you talk a little bit about your involvement with Modus Nova? How you got started with Modus Nova? Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a quite a minute actually. We've been I've been working with the technology kind of before Modus was even Modus. And so working with the robotic devices in about a decade ago at this point in various clinical trials. And so um, after we kind of completed those early studies and got all of the efficacy and the safety profiles, you know, we started the company and I was involved trying to make sure that all of those, um, those scientific approaches and we're translating to the consumer products and so that's really kind of where i am now and i have a quite a i wear a few hats um and the one that you uh, we i guess work together under was the sort of patient clinician kind of interaction where i'm there to help answer any sort of clinical and medical questions or scientific questions that many of the people across the country have right. and so i perform all sorts of tasks like helping someone learn how to put the device on, the modus hand on for the very first time, or how to position to make sure they're safe and, you know, modify their settings to ensure that they're getting the best type of care with the, with the modus hand. You're a, you're a renaissance man when it comes to everything modus. <laughs> so we, we've got a really good team and I've got a lot of support. I'm able to use the skills that I've developed over the years to, uh, to help all of the, the stroke survivors and survivors of neurologic injury that we um, that we try to serve. Yeah. Right. So you said you, you initially started in robotics. Was that like a passion of yours or was that just something that you just kind of stumbled into? Yeah. So uh, certainly a passion. I think I have a bit of a circuitous route into medical rehab robotics, though, 
And it was mainly as a clinician, right? So I'm a trained doctor of physical therapy with a specialty in like neurologic disorders. And when I was doing my training in school, uh, we were actually using those robotic systems in various applications. And I was um, one of the clinicians involved in some of those trials. So I had early experience when these things were kind of still in the lab, still in the clinic. And that's where I kind of got my first exposure to it. So that's that's kind of the background. Oh, that's, that's, that's interesting. So that also leads me into a statement followed up by a question. <laughs> so sure. you are actually part of my community, our community. And I say our community because you are a brain injury survivor yourself. Yeah, yeah. And this is where my circuitous route actually comes from. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so so, buckle up, Joe, and, and, and listeners. <laughs> uh, so long story short, I, uh, I'll go back to my early life. I was actually a professional cyclist. And so I was racing bikes throughout high school and undergrad. And so raced on the national, national team and the U.S. Olympic test team here. And back in, you know, when I was in my undergrad in 2012 at this point, um, I had a really bad crash. Um, and effectively, I hit the pavement at about 35 miles an hour and mm. happened to hit with my face. Um, so I landed on my face. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming you were wearing a helmet. I was wearing a helmet, but unfortunately, I landed on my chin. And so um, thankfully, this is a, a podcast, an audio podcast. <laughs> uh, no, I had some really good plastic surgeries, to be honest. Um, but no, in all, in all honesty, um, had a really bad crash. Had a lot of facial trauma. I broke my lower jaw in about eight places, my condyle in two, and a bunch of skull fractures on my right side. And I had a, a brain bleed, right? So I had a subdural tilma on my right side um, with the, the skull fractures, the zygomatic and temporal fractures. And so I had a, a traumatic brain injury and uh, had my own experience with rehab. And actually before that, I was doing undergrad. Mm -hmm. So doing my undergrad and I was actually focused on genetics with the idea of going to medical school. Mm -hmm. um, that was kind of the plan. The, um, what, what ended up happening is sort of a confluence of things. My experience with rehab in hospital and, and sort of post-recovery, I was really motivated to not only understand how the brain was recovering and sort of changing because I was experiencing it from the first person, which is kind of a strange thing. And um, also just by nature of having sort of a firsthand experience of what the rehab profession does as a medical provider. And I was just more, I guess, attracted to that as opposed to the straight up medical sort of like a physician. So that was the well, there's an also another sort of level in there. It's a bit personal, but I also had a bit of, of image issues and a little lack of self-confidence after brain injury, not knowing if I could do the full Monty. Um, and so I, I changed, I changed majors and, um, you know, ultimately was, was successful and had a relatively good recovery. And so that was, that was kind of the, the sort of vectors that intersected to draw me into to neuroscience and neuro rehab. So that was the, the kind of backstory. So, yeah. That's, that's actually pretty amazing. That being said, you recovered from what I can tell doctor pretty damn well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I got really lucky. You said you switched majors because there was a little bit of that fear that you weren't going to be able to do. Do you ever have a regret that, Hey, I shouldn't have switched majors. I should have just stuck it out. Or are you very happy and comfortable with the decisions you've made? I am really happy with the decisions I made. I think so. The other thing too, is with respect to my recent past after my clinical doctorate, 
I ended up actually going back and getting the PhD as well in straight up neuroscience with basic neuroscience. And so that was really what kind of allows me to do that, those high level types of things, right. um, which maybe would have been sort of, I might've been restricted a little bit if I just had the clinical doctorate. And so by nature of going back and getting that basic science training and some, some of those insight into the fundamentals and how to ask rigorous scientific questions and get those, that deep knowledge I think I, I haven't been hamstrung in any sort of shape or fashion. And thankfully, I've developed a lot of collaborations with physicians over the years. And so anything that would be only accessible to a physician, I can just call a friend and we can make sure to make a collaboration out of it. Because a lot of the questions that we were trying to answer are too challenging these days right. that we need multiple people. And so I'm not afraid of collaborating and asking for help in these sort of things. So no, I do not regret those decisions. And I think um, the other honest answer is I would never have been involved in this amazing opportunity that is Modus, right? I would not have found my way into Andy Butler's lab at Georgia State University, where I met David Wu, and we were working on these early um, clinical trials. Like I would have not been there had I not had that injury and all those things change. So, um, and I wouldn't be here today, most likely. So right. I'm talking with you, Jeff. So no, no regrets. Oh, yeah. See, everything in life leads to me. I feel like Thanos, you know, I feel inevitable. <laughs> so, now, yeah. going through recovery and having the knowledge that you had already, was that a help to you or was it frustrating to know how far you kind of had to go? Mm. Yeah. So let's um, I'm going to plead a bit of ignorance on this, because remember, I was a, a, a lowly undergrad at that point. I didn't really know the whole the whole shebang. Um, so I did have some insight on the, on the medical side. I was doing some like undergrad research, mm -hmm. you know, that's a bit hand wavy, but I think I ended up having a really, really favorable outcome, right? It could have been much worse considering the situations and so, or the situation rather. And, and most of the, the, the challenges were not physical in nature. Mm -hmm. I had some early physical challenges, but most of it was actually speech, language, and memory. And so I had to work, try to figure out, you know, strategies. And that's an ongoing thing. That's um, even to get through the, the, two, the, the clinical degree and the PhD, I had to, I had to leverage all the tricks to, um, to, to get through those and um, to make sure I could, to, you know, be efficient and be effective at my, my, my chosen path. So, right. It's, uh, so it was a, a lot of cognitive stuff, mostly. You, you said memory. I still suffer from a lot yeah. of uh, short-term memory issues. It's kind of the worst from where you started in your recovery till now. Sure. Would you say you're a hundred percent back or would you say you're, you know, you're still a work in progress? Um, I'd say, you know, um, to be fair, I'm, I never had a good objective assay beforehand, to be honest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let, let, yeah, of course, let the scientists respond in that, that way. Uh, right. Uh, but I think I, I'm, I'm pretty close, Joe, to be honest. I'm, that's, I'm that's really good. close. I think. Um, now, to be the other thing to acknowledge here is I don't know if you can kind of imagine. I like to think about it in reservoirs, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have these compensatory reservoirs that we can all of us can pull from. Right. Uh, and you know, when you get hit with an insult, whether it's you know a traumatic brain injury, a stroke, um, some orthopedic injury, the disease process, whatever it is, we all have some reservoir to kind of like recover from that. Right. And and you know, but that kind of gets reduced. And so I imagine my reservoir is kind of reduced a bit because I'm compensating in certain ways. Mm -hmm. um, one of the obvious ones is on my balance. I still have, I'm still quite visually dependent because I lost some vestibular function on my right side. 
And so I'm still pretty visually dependent. And so I notice some problems there, but mostly I would say um, recover at 98, 99%, something like that. That's good. That's good. I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. And and just for, you know, the, the listeners out there, I would not know that you had any type of surgery. Like your, sure. your, um, your surgeons were yeah. fantastic. Yeah, you, it was, it was a long three months. I had multiple reconstructed surgeries and they, they did some, they did some gnarly things. So do, uh, do you ever, you ever look back at the photos, you know, right after the crash yeah. and you're like, wow, yeah. how did I come this far? Oh yeah. Or, or whenever I go to the dentist, I freak the dentists out too, because there's so much metal. They're like, Oh my gosh, what happened to you? <laughs> I, I'll just uh, say this, Dr. Nick Halsey, very attractive man, ladies, just saying. <laughs> yeah. The, you, Cause you said you landed on your jaw and I'm assuming yep. at 35 yep. miles an hour that those two things together do not make a good time. <laughs> so no, 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 no good time. Just looking at your jaw right now, it's, and I'm, I'm saying this objectively it looks okay. flawless. It really okay. does. It really looks picturesque. It looks exactly how you would think a perfectly <laughs> formed jaw would look. Oh God. Well, well thanks Joe. I mean, yeah, to be fair, there is, there's a fair amount of metal there, um, uh, both here and going down for all the implants. Um, but yeah, the, they did a really good job. Um, you know, they, they use some interesting techniques where, you know, without getting too graphic, they effectively do all the surgery from the inside. So they kind of degloved oh, your face a little bit. That's amazing. So, <laughs> Yeah. That's so cool. yeah. honestly that's so cool yeah. you know what i mean yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. very sci-fi yeah. channel like i love that stuff oh, yeah oh yeah yeah it's a it was pretty gnarly when they told me after the fact i didn't know beforehand going into this but they're like oh by the way yeah we deep your face and we did this thing and i was like oh <laughs> okay <laughs> like, great. have you have you ever seen the movie face off it was like really close to that yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so what now that you have all the metal in your face do you kind of vaguely feel like you're wolverine do you feel like you're a superhero uh yeah that's awesome yeah. i love that <laughs> <laughs> i'll be so, waiting for some day when someone just tries to take a swing at me and they're just like <laughs> right that they're gonna break their wrist and somehow some way knives are gonna shoot out of your knuckles <laughs> so so your involvement with with modus novo are you you're the science guy basically like the mm-hmm. that's 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 your so basically this is kind of like your baby almost on the science side yeah, yeah, uh, on the science and the and the, and the, and the patient side too, right? Um, right? Dave is the technology, the business minds. He's the, the you know the real innovator on, on those aspects. Uh, but yeah, the the science and the, the the patient side really in my wheelhouse. Um, so that's 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 really where I I shine and I love to work. Well, that, that's good. You know, I, I'm I'm a big fan of passion in our community specifically. That's yeah. why I really enjoyed having a conversation with David because. He without being a normie, that's why I call people without brain injuries, being a normie, he's so passionate about helping us in our community, yeah. you know, and yeah. I, I, I just love that. And I love that if you're not just doing this, it's like it's a passion of yours. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming like just getting it like uh, uh, taking pride in a job well done. You know, are you a stroke or brain injury survivor looking for community and support? Well, the neuro nerds are here to help. Join our hashtag #YouSoRock Facebook group at facebook.com/groups/YouSoRock to connect with other survivors like you. Plus, read other inspirational brain injury survivor stories on Joe's blog at joesorocks.com/YouSoRock, and submit your stories there as well. We want to hear them. And remember, you, you so, so rock. Um, from yeah. where you started out with Modus Nova to where it is now, is it like, what, what does that feel like? Because I'm assuming it's just getting better and better and better. Oh, it's bonkers. I mean, there's no other way to, to describe it. It's, it is bonkers. It's, it's so much progress. 
has been made in the last, even the last year, right? We, we continue to look back and we often don't do that because we're so busy. But when we get a chance to take a breath and look back, the changes we've made over the past year have been just astronomical. I mean, just by sheer scope of number of people that we're, we're helping on a regular basis, just orders of magnitude greater than what we're doing, uh, you know, two years ago. You know, just to give you a sense of scope, when it came to those clinical trials, it took us multiple years to get 20, 50 people, right? And that's, you know, clinical trials are hard to do this, but now we're helping 20 people a week kind of thing, 20 new people a week. Um, you know, we're, we're now into the low thousands of numbers of people. And it's like, this is just, this is crazy. But when and that's, that's, that's a lot of change. That's a big Delta, but we can't stop now because the, the scope of the problem is so large that we cannot rest on our laurels and we will not, um, because there's 4.5 million people in the United States that have residual upper extremity impairments following stroke and our vision is to help all of those individuals. We, we, you know, we may not get to that, um, but that's that's our guiding beacon. That's kind of our north star. I love that, and the, every single yeah. one of these people, they desperately need this help. They do, you know. It's yeah. it's it, it's such it's changing lives. It's giving people back their 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 livelihood, you know. And something as small as buttoning a shirt, something as as little as picking up a cup of coffee, opening a door knob, little things like this, they, we take it for granted every single day. People, it, it would change the trajectory of their life if they were able to do that again. And you're bringing that to people. Like, that's just, it's phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, there are times where, you know, I'm doing rehab power hour with a group of people and they're telling me what type of things they're able to do now. And just hearing the stories from across the country and it's so moving overwhelming almost because yeah having understood what it's like to lose some function and understand that that delta between where you were before injury and where you are now and how much of your sort of autonomy your independence you've lost and in trying to gain some of that back it's just it's so powerful and just to be able to be part of that and it is is a really special thing right i don't think Many people in this world will will find themselves in a situation to be able to help people like this, and it's it's I'm, I feel so fortunate to be able to do this. Well, also, you're coming at this from a completely different perspective than a lot of people in your position because sure. you're part of this community. You look, yeah. I, I I've tried to explain this to people. I can be the Picasso of explaining things, and I can paint the most beautiful picture with my words of what it's like to live with a brain injury, and it still pales in comparison to what it actually is. Like you just can't understand unless you've been through it you have been through it so you have what i wish so many other people in your field would have you have that understanding of what we go through and i think you know it's i'm so i'm not i'm not thankful that you had a brain injury i'm so sorry that you had to go through that but i'm thankful that your career is now in a a place where it can help our community because it's so desperately needed you know and even early on like um Okay, doctors will tell you within the first year, if you don't have enough function within the first year, well, sorry, that's it. That's just how big of a disservice is that to our community? It's so defeating for so many survivors. Yeah, it. I mean, uh, I know we were chatting before we came on live here and I'll, I'll forego any uh, uh, aggressive words, but that 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 kind of whole thing really pisses me off, to be completely honest, because it's yeah, hey, you won't say the words. I'll say it. it's some bullshit, Dr. Nick. Yeah, yeah. 
it's it's not um it, and it's not like they're being malicious right necessarily right. it's just that it's uh it's a disconnect from the the literature for me i am guided by data right mm-hmm. um the data in the literature supports the way i think about the world and my of course my my vision of the world will change pending new data yes. but that data is so prevalent that we know that people can still have functional improvements after a year after six months and so i think you know one of the things that i really try to pride myself on and of course i can always do better at this but it's trying to take what i've learned because i've had it you know i've been been very fortunate in my ability to learn now even after my injury but to understand that there is a hunger there's a need for information and i'm going to do my best to be a conduit to provide that information to people and try to answer the questions as best i can and and do it that in a way that is supported by evidence and that that means good and bad right that means telling people that hey there isn't an answer for certain things right hey we don't know but when we do know an answer to something i will let you know the level of confidence we have in that and so I, I am very, very passionate about trying to give people access to that information because unfortunately it's really inaccessible, right? And again, I don't think it's any one person, I'm getting on my soapbox here, I apologize, but it's not no, like no, any no, one please. person that's it's not like any one person that's trying to put up these barriers for brain injury survivors. Right. But there are so many barriers that are in place, right? And you can just think about it in terms of on the physician side. Even if they had all the insight in the world to know all the literature, which of course they don't, they don't have the time to devote that, to, to, to transmit that information to a new brain injury survivor and their care partners, right? That just doesn't exist. Right. And so there are these big disconnects and, and that leads to miscommunications and all sorts of misunderstandings and, and all sorts of bad stuff. And so I, I'm very passionate about trying to do my best to to help rectify that in any way I can. Um, you know, I'm just one dude, but uh, I, I can I can try my best. Hey, it starts somewhere, and I'm so appreciative um, to you and everybody that you've you know you, that you've touched in this. I had a, a situation with one of my early primaries. Was it my mm. primary after the situation where I was explaining what I was feeling? I hey doc, I'm feeling this, <laughs> and literally he's looking at a book, and he's telling me, "Oh, you shouldn't be feeling that." I, I'm like, yeah, that's fine that you're reading that I shouldn't be feeling the things that I'm actually feeling, but I'm telling you with my words that I am feeling these things, but he just didn't have enough bandwidth or care to listen to me. And that's where I, I think a huge issue is that I think we all kind of need to partner in together because, well, you, you, you have the best of both worlds. You've experienced this, so you're an expert, but most doctors, they're an expert at going to school and learning about things. We're the experts in having a brain injury. So we should all be able to work together. I just don't know what's going to change that. I think we need more people like you. When are you going to be in charge, Dr. Nick? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, I I do my best to advocate for this at multiple scales, right? I think one of the best ways we do this is through modus, right? Trying to set up these communities and, you know, the explicit purpose of these communities is to be a meeting ground, right? Where questions can be asked in a safe environment. Like we don't care what questions you ask right? Ask the questions and, and we'll do our best to answer them. And, you know, at that point, what we do is we kind of provide a collective knowledge base and we're trying to create that too, right? With all the video resources and the questions that everyone always asks me, we try to keep, that's going to be in the public domain. And so those things can be always referenced and yeah, we're, 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 we're trying to do this. And so we, we try our best to advocate, but I think, um, I don't know what will make the 
full sea change, I am optimistic that will happen, but I'm also a bit of a realist and understand that it may not be a perfect world uh, right. when it comes to that uh, that level of incongruity between the search for knowledge and the ability to um, uh, to deliver that knowledge. Right, right. We just need a, a less lazy doctors. That would be, you know. <laughs> one of the things I would suggest. So speaking of the, of the Modus hand, which I've had sure. some fir- firsthand experience with, which is, sure. by the way, it's really cool. I, I just, I can't stress this enough, guys. It's, it's just cool. It's a cool piece of machinery. It's, and uh, the one thing I'll hammer in again and again and again is how simple it is to use. You guys have known me for hundred, close to 200 episodes now. I'm kind of an idiot. I wear that as a badge of honor. And I was able to get this thing functioning like that. Like super simple, very easy to, you know, uh, uh, connect, put it in, you're ready to rock and roll. That's what I love about this. So even with um, (laughs) a lack of intelligence when it comes to technology, a very limited capacity for technology, or even physical limitations, right? A lot of us um, in the brain injury community are suffering from, you know, loss of functionality on one side. Even with that, it's a very simple process. It's plug in the wall. It's plug in the arm. It's hit a button which on the touchscreen. It's so simple and beautiful, and it's very easy to connect, to pick up and go. It, it is an amazing piece of machinery, Dr. Nick. Can you talk a little bit about the Modus hand? Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned kind of where we are now because it's been a long time coming, right? This, the technology has been around for around 20 years. And so it, is, it has been had many evolutions at this point. And we've learned a lot over the years with the express purpose of achieving that goal that you just described, right? It needs to be easy, it needs to be accessible, and it needs to be effective and safe, right? If any one of those things breaks down, you've got a problem. And right. so, yeah, you're exactly right. And so fundamentally, this, this device, this, this robotic device, it sounds kind of scary, robots, um, it's an exoskeleton that kind of goes on your arm, right? So these exoskeletons are things that go about your joints, and they do something. And in the context of rehab robotics, it's a device that helps to sense your movements and to kind of provide biofeedback. Um, and by nature of having some sensors, what we can do is we can actually condition a virtual environment on your movements. And this is really, really important because the process of neuro rehab requires us to do movements in order to develop new neural pathways. Um, and so we have to have a way to do those movements. And you say, well, okay, well, it's just a, it's a series of sensors and a way to digitize that. And that is what it is, but it also has the ability to help you move. Um, and the way it does this is it has, again, a fancy word called an actuator or a pneumatic actuator. But all that really means is it has a muscle on board. And that muscle can contract and relax just like your muscles. And that is an absolutely critical component to this because it can help you either initiate movements if you have trouble doing so, um, if you have some significant impairments, or it can help you amplify your movements in the event you need to amplify your range of motion, right? If you can maybe have a couple of degrees of movement, but if we were to, for instance, if I were to be there with any of the listeners right now and just to guide their hands through some, some motion, you know, kind of removing the effect of gravity as a therapist would often do, they would be able to move more. And so the device, the modus hand can actually do this. And the really special thing is that all of those things are not static. All of those things dynamically interact with the end user. So we're constantly sensing how someone is interacting in the world and trying to help optimize some function, whether it's um, range of motion to improve their, um, their, you know, their, their actual movement or you know, to try to condition their strength or some precision of movement. 
So that's really how kind of the device works. But all of this is designed to help deliver a type of therapy called basically repetitive task practice. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, this is this idea of how do we learn to move? Um, and it's a really complex thing. Um, but effectively, what has to happen is um, we can kind of revert back. All of us can think back to maybe watching a, a young child learn to walk for the very first time or that, that, that early process. Effectively, what has to happen is they have to recruit a bunch of neurons randomly and see what happens. And they do this and they're given information by what's good and what's not good. For instance, if you're walking and you do something that makes you fall down, well, you get a powerful stimulus so that's not good, right? It hurts. You fall down. You fall on your butt. Uh, okay, let's not do that again. And so that that kind of powerful stimulus of falling on your butt and getting hurt is biofeedback. And that is what trains us to do something different. And ultimately, you'll be able to coordinate these networks and figure out, okay, well, if I recruit these 10 million neurons in this way, um, I can actually step out and put my foot out in front of me and I can take a next step with my right and left foot, et cetera, et cetera. And then what has to happen is you have to do that over and 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 over again, and over again, <laughs> to um, to stabilize those networks. Because it's not like you can do it once and you're done. Uh, in order to do it reliably, you have to develop some, some, some groundwork. You have to really solidify the behavior of those networks so that whenever you want to reach out and pick up that cup of coffee, um, Joe, or me, I pick up my, my can of soda water here, that I'm going to reliably put my arm out, open my hand to the various aperture it needs to go to, and grasp the cane with the amount of force and bring it to my to my lips, right? Um, that has to be very, very reliable. And that takes hundreds and thousands of hours of movements to develop those networks. And so the device is there to help people following an injury, redo, sort of recapitulate those learning processes. Really complex, uh, but the device, we've, we've tried to simplify it as, as much as possible to help people get that high dose uh, of rehab to get that, that effect. Right. And you have, you've made it uh, a simple for a simpleton like me uh, to pick up and, and make it work and uh, understand how it works. It's like a, a muscle memory, right? Is that what we're so? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's muscle memory, but it's, um, it's not just in your muscle, right? It's, it's in your brain right. uh, and it's in your spinal cord. So it's, it's, it's the whole neuromechanics of this, the whole system that are, are remembering kind of how to do the thing you want them to do and to right. do that reliably. Right. You're, you're uh, recreating those uh, those uh, neural connections and making that uh, make it all work together. Like Michael Jordan, uh, back in the day, he would close his eyes and hit free throws because his mind and his body was telling him to do that because he's done it tens of thousands of times. So it's kind of the, the same thing. So what's really cool yeah. about it is we don't need a coach or a physical therapist or an occupational therapist to actually hold our hand and stretch it and move it and have us do it. Like we can actually do this ourselves. And that's what's beautiful about the modus hand. That I even noticed too. So when my hand, um, I don't have a tremendous amount of issues. I have a great executive function, but my hand does exhaust. And when it does, I start to tremor and I lose, mm -hmm. uh, I, I get very clumsy. I drop things. It's like the worst. So I was using uh, the modus hand yesterday, day before, whenever it was. And uh, my hand was a little bit tired. And I noticed when I needed a little bit of help, it gave me a little help. And I was like, oh, it's giving me a little bit yep. of a helping hand, which was interesting because I, I didn't realize how tired my hand was, but then I knew, okay, at this point, that's when my hand was tired. And it gave me that little extra push that I needed, which I just thought was phenomenal. It's like, it's an amazing piece of machinery. Are you finding it hard to recover at home after stroke? Find out if Modus Nova can help you by taking their free online assessment at modusnova.com slash the neuro nerds. 
If you haven't heard of Modus Nova, they make devices to help folks with a brain injury like stroke regain the use of their affected limbs. For example, the Modus Hand is an AI-powered robotic exoskeleton that helps users do exercises and play games, similar to the way an occupational or a physical therapist might manipulate the limb. It helps survivors get into the thousands of repetitions they need to form new neural pathways. It can assist with hand movements or resist them to provide a personalized exercise experience. If this sounds like something you want to try, visit modusnova.com slash theneuronerds to learn more. Use special code theneuronerds when you sign up and get a month free with the 30-day challenge. Just visit modusnova.com slash theneuronerds to get started. Yeah, and I think this is the cool thing, right? Um, you know, you mentioned this idea of kind of not necessarily needing one-on-one care right then and there, right? Real, We call this real-time oversight. Right. And I'd say, yeah, that's certainly true. I think one of the cool things about these technologies are they're not necessarily supposed to be replacing physical occupational therapists, to be very clear. The thing is, is these devices these devices um, are supplementary, complementary to them because they can actually help deliver. Well, first of all, they can do a better job than I can in terms of watching someone's movement, right? It's um, the precision of, of understanding someone's movement is much greater at the digital level than my than my eyes. And so despite all the training and all of that and all the experience. So it's being able to see tiny degrees of movement and being able to, um, to see subtle errors and correct for those errors um, um, or, or even amplify those errors if we want to try to work in an errorful way, which can, we can talk about maybe, which is kind of a cool thing. Um, so yeah, being able to do that is is a really, really powerful aspect. And like I said earlier, none of these things are static, right? Like it won't give you help unless you need it. And right. so, and it could be just a momentary lapse of sort of consciousness, if you will, or it could be um, that maybe you're getting tired and you're getting fatigued and you need some additional help to complete the exercises. Um, so that's that dynamic process that comes in um, to help. That's what I thought was really cool, like for me, because I remember we did a, we did a thing, <laughs> we did an, evalu- an evaluation and you actually adjusted my modus hand. And I yep. noticed after that, I was like, oh, I don't really, it's not really, you know, I think I'm like in a really good place. And then I noticed, oh, <laughs> it's helping me when I just need it. It's when my hand actually exhausts. It's when my yep. hand is just completely like, it's just not doing what it kind of needs to do. It gives you that little bit of helping hand, which I just thought was amazing. Yep. I just thought it was like the coolest thing in the world to not only, you know, have that help, but realize, oh yeah, whatever you did, that actually helps so much because it's like, oh yeah, yep. it's, it's only helping me when I need the help. And it was actually like after several games where it's just like, oh yeah, by the way, the modus hand, you're playing games, guys. You know me, I'm a gamer. It's so, it's so much fun to get these hand motions in and play these games. You're basically playing in one of them, you're playing Galaga and another one, you're lifting weights mm-hmm. and another one, you're playing rock breaker. Like these are just amazing games from like the eighties. And if you're, if you don't, if you didn't live through this and you're one of those one of those crazy kids. Come on, it's retro. Check it out. It's amazing. It's what all of these games are based on. So it, what I love about it too is it's not there to replace physical therapists. It, it, it's not. It, it's it's an accompaniment. But you can't have a physical therapist with you at your house. Yep. You you can't. You yep. can only see a physical therapist what at most a couple hours a day. That's you know if you're seeing your physical therapist at eight nine hours a day, that's a little bit weird. But yeah. you <laughs> can go home after your your therapy and then you could literally just put in the hours. And it's not in a strange place. You're, it's in the comfort of your own home. You know, normally like me sitting around in your drawers and and you're, you're gaming and you're putting in the, these hours and hours and hours and you're getting these repetitions 
and it's you know your neurons are connecting your your hand is is working your arm is functioning it's just such a cool thing and i'm so excited about it because i've actually seen firsthand well firsthand for myself but firsthand with maddie who's like the poster girl for modus nova i've seen where she started and how much work she's put in and where she is now and it is in it's mind-blowing she she really she's kind of a machine she might be a machine possibly (laughs) yeah no i think it's both you guys are real evidence that if you put the work in and i think there are people all over the country that are are great examples of this right um mac i was actually just working with mac earlier today Mm -hmm. for doing some some cool development of some new, new tools that we have and you know he's come such a long way too right there are people all over the country that have been putting in the hundreds of hours that you need and um, and really showing the, 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 the true functional improvements, which is so incredible. Right. Um, so where Modus was, where it is today yeah. is it's a tremendous improvement, you know, for as much as I understand, I just became familiar with Modus Nova, uh, like over the, I would say the last year and a half I've heard about you guys, did a little, sure. my, little bit of my research and I've seen Maddie just turn into a rock star you know, in, in working with it. And now that, you know, I'm, I'm connected with you guys and work with you guys. It, it's just a, a beautiful piece of machinery, but this is the version that I know. Where yep. do you see Modus going in the future? So I think one of the best things that we <clears throat> need to do is to incorporate um, different joints, right? And I think there's a couple of different paths we can talk about. We can talk about different robotic systems, like physical things that would go on an end user, right? So well, right now we've got the clinical data that shows that we have efficacy across the upper extremity, right? So like, even though we're focused on the wrist and the hand, um, and we do have fine motor improvements and, and gross motor function improvements about those joints, and we do see some improvements up, up the kinematic chain, right? In the elbow and the shoulder. Um, other individuals have specific impairments about the shoulder or the elbow, for instance, um, or about the knee. And so you can imagine we're very much in the mindset of we need to make things accessible. And one of the ways to make things accessible is to make it modular because if you have, you know, we actually, our, our, our early life, our, the early versions of these were a full multi-segmented robotic device at the upper extremity. And the problem with that is just like every other robotic device is it costs a quarter million dollars, right? Half a million dollars to make. And so, yeah, you can make one, but how many people can that actually help? Not that many. And so the idea here is to have a solution that can meet the scope of the problem. And so we, what we need to do is we need to take a modular approach. And so we envision taking um, that uh, sort of uh, tact and go forward with that. And so develop these, these, these additional tools that can be plugged into the same platform. Um, we can even envision um, amplifying sort of home rehab, doing um, fall prevention with um, sort of, you know, with cameras and, and, and computer vision, all these sorts of cool things. And the other side of this, that's what kind of the, the hardware side, if you will. The other side is something I've been very passionate about. And for a long time, even in my early sort of clinical science days, is this idea of dose. We all talk about dose and reps and all this. But, and the truth of the matter is, if you actually peer into the literature, we know, not quite bupkis, but we know next to bupkis about what appropriate dosing is for individuals with neurologic injuries, um, and, AKA, we don't know a whole lot. <laughs> and so, um, uh, we, we do. What we need to do is we need to do proper. We need to generate a large amount of data to draw proper inferences about how to help people optimally. 
And that is almost going to be impossible outside of the context of a robotic system like this, mm -hmm. simply because we won't have the data. And so the other side of this is kind of what can we do with the data? Um, when people are using these systems, uh, data is being collected dozens of times a second. And this is not only helping you right then and there to make the system respond to you and help you when you need that help, but it's also helping us learn at kind of a meta level about who, like how your recovery process is going. And when we do certain things, when we change certain things, how does that help you long-term? And all of this is going to give us insight into the general recovery process of, let's say, a general um, stroke survivor. And then what we can do is we can map that on to individual characteristics. So like say, hey, the first couple of weeks, you're using a system and you're responding like this, and you have had a stroke this long, and you're this old, and you're from this part of the country, et cetera, et cetera. Now, let's make a model that can help you based on all the other information that we have. Wow. And this is going to, um, I think, really be a step change in terms of our ability to optimally dose care. And because um, um, and, that is a big gap right now. Like There are clinical trials that are set out. They're, you know, we're spending tens of millions of dollars to these clinical trials, and they're just not answering the question, right? They're just fundamentally not answering the question. Um, and so we're at, we're going to be able to do that um, with these technologies. That is, I, I'm just thinking in my head, it's like, yeah, you know, because every brain injury is different. Every brain injury yep. is completely different, you know, yep. um, because our brains are, but if you, if you can kind of narrow it down and be, okay, well, hemorrhagic stroke vaguely around this age from this type of person, this type of background, this type of activity this type of you know this rehab would be a little bit more optimal than something else somebody with you know who had a um a traumatic brain injury who had it, sure. it's insane the amount of it, wow i guess you know information is key it really is does it kind of feel to you like it feels to me with all this information that's being uh, collected so quickly a little bit skynetish like a little bit of a the robots might take over at some point and the modus nova the modus hand <laughs> is gonna like be like the, beginning of, like, the terminator yeah, no no, 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 no. These, 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 these robots are here to serve stroke survivors and survivors of traumatic brain injuries and uh, brain injuries. So, uh, no, no, there, there is zero probability of uh, modus hands, modus feet becoming sentient. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> Until judgment day. No, I, I, I think it's phenomenal. So, are you still currently doing these research? Like, is it ongoing or is it just something that you're going to be doing in the future? Oh, so we're doing, uh, we, Joe, we're doing so much, man. Uh, there's so many projects going on. Um, so one of the best things that we do is, you know, we started in the lab, right? We started as an academic, pure science type of approach, right? That's where we came from, right? And that's why, when I said earlier, we've been around, you know, this technology been around for 20 years. And the truth of the matter is, if you want to do medicine rehab right, it takes that long, right? There are no quick fixes for this because you have to go through all of the 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 rigorous trials and the very regimented phases to establish those things. And so because of our foundations were built in that world, we've developed these, these partnerships and these friendships across the domains. And so we have active partnerships across the country doing various aspects of this. So just, just a pure smattering of them right now, we've got people locally in the Atlanta-based area where I am, uh, I'm in Atlanta, who are working on next generation sensors, right? We're talking about different intent recognition, right? This is a big passion for me because there's a subset of individuals out there who have very little to no active movement. And these individuals have been woefully forgotten by the rehab world, right? Because you go in 
and you have very little to no active movement and your therapist says, you got zero progress, insurance is not going to cover this, goodbye. And like, that is horrific. That is completely unacceptable. We're trying to develop sensors that can help an individual who's in that situation gain access to a rehab protocol. And so we're developing next generation sensors, sort of multimodal approaches to, 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 to condition a robotic device. So that's just one thing locally here. And in terms of partnering with on the data side, we've got data scientists, right? There's a, a good number of sort of on the, it's actually kind of cool. There's one on the economic side, trying to do financial modeling, as well as on the pure math side, trying to figure out, well, um, what does this data actually mean on like a time domain? And we've got some, um, some clinicians actually looking at the data because they're interested in clinical outcomes. Um, so these are some, some cool partnerships. We've got some um, partnerships up in, I'm pointing up like it's north, uh, up in the northeast, who are working on uh, non-invasive brain stimulation, right? Using the devices in, in combination with an at-home non-invasive brain stimulation device, right? So, you know, we think probably next generation things are going to be, it's not just going to be movement. It's going to be movement and pre-stimulating, pre-treating your brain with some magnetic stimulation, for instance. Yeah, so cool stuff. And then, you know, across the country, um, we've got two collaborators who are, um, you know, premier in the, 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 let's call it the neurotrauma world. And so we're very interested in working with them, establishing early onset treatments for individuals with traumatic brain injuries. Like how early can we intervene? For instance, could we intervene in the acute hospital, right? In the ICU, right? Could these robotic devices go in there and operate to help someone kickstart that recovery process? So we are, we're kind of doing a lot. Um, and so we are, we are not, you know, this is all kind of my, my domain in terms of pushing these, these projects forward. And it's right. just, it's so exciting. So exciting to have all these things going on. The passion that you have behind it, I'm excited now. So everything <laughs> that you laid out, like th these are things that are happening currently or are these things that are just, well, this is what I want to happen. Or like, is it is everything in motion? Uh, yeah. That's yeah. incredible. Okay. Yeah. That's... They're in various levels of, of progress, but like all these things have people behind them and, and working, right? And, you know, and Modus is also providing because we have such detailed insight into the complexities of, of Kelly rehab. We're right. also helping other academics and do their clinical trials, right? Because we've developed a lot of sort of innate knowledge about how the systems work, right? How telehealth works and how, how can we deliver care in the home? Like that just base level thing. And so now we are helping other academics design and implement their clinical trials. And so we're also trying to help, and this is on the advocacy side, trying to help sort of tune the next generation of science as well. So all these things are in various levels of completion or progress, but yeah, we're, we're really excited about all of these, these next aspects. You're legitimately, you guys are changing the world. You know, I say that a lot with a lot of the things that we're doing in the community and people think it's very yeah. grandiose. It's not, this is just fact. Look, when you give somebody a little bit of their physical freedom back, it changes who they are at their core. You know, you, you've changed that person's life and in turn, you've changed how they interact with people around them their friends, their family, significant others, their kids, their coworkers, their everybody. And then those people are a bit like, literally you're, you're chained the, the reach that, that you have, the impact that you have on so many lives because of what you guys are doing is just tremendous. And everything you laid out, even the one that stuck with me is the, like basically the, the money guy, you got the finance guy that has to make sure that everything that you guys are doing is going to make fiscal sense to keep on doing it. That just that says to me, especially uh, uh, with everything else that you're doing, you guys aren't just flashing the pan. You guys aren't just like this. It's like a cool startup and it's a great idea. And then it's gone in a year. 
you guys are here to stay. You guys yeah. are really changing the future and you're really shifting the way that rehab works, you know, and, and that, that's just mind blowing. How fulfilling is that doc? Oh, it's, it's overwhelming. I'd say, right. I think um, in a really good way, I would never have predicted that I would end up with, with this kind of level of opportunity. Right. So yeah, it's really, it's a really special thing I'd say. Um, and we're, we're trying not to squander this at all. We're, we're really trying to execute on this. Please don't. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. I mean, you know, um, so many of these, these things, these things can fail. Right. But we, 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 we see the potential value to society in right. to improve the human condition in a real way, right? Not many, not many tech companies, kind of medical startups can say that. Like we're actually helping people and we, 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 we can't afford to not execute on this. Right. Well, you've seen the impact that you guys have had. You mentioned something and I have several really close brain injury survivor friends that are yeah. in that category the hopeless. That's what it seems like. Yep. And that's what they feel yep. like. And it's because that's what the medical industry has told them. You, you guys are hopeless. Sorry. You know, it's been eight years and you don't have any function. So there's nothing that we can do for you. I have, I literally, I have to talk several of my, my, my people off the ledge weekly because they're just yep. at that point where it's just like, well, it, what, what am I doing? You know, like I have no purpose. I have no hope. It's hope. Yeah. What you're doing. Yeah. That's what it is, doc. It, you're, you're giving people hope. And I truly felt this from jump. If we have hope, we have everything that we need, you know, no matter what's going on in the world. If we have hope, that's something to reach for. That's something to keep on fighting and pushing for. And these survivors that don't have the, the help and the, the honest conversation with them, you know, like, Hey, you don't have functionality now, but these are the things that you can do. And there is hope. That's all they need. They need a little tiny, just a, a speck of hope, and it would change the, the, their life. And what you guys are doing specifically for them is you're giving them hope. And there's so many of them out there, and it's so unfortunate that they just feel forgotten and, and left behind. So I'm so thankful that you guys have not forgotten about these this huge uh, a chunk yeah. of the community, you know? And, and yep. oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm so thankful, Doc. This is one of the reasons why, you know, I was doing some of those early trials, right? Some of the early versions of our studies were like literally explicitly focused on how can we help the bottom quartile of stroke survivors in their function, right? Those individuals who have literally been forgotten. And so we've, you know, there's been grants, right? We've written papers, we've tried new technologies, you know, we keep, we keep, um, it's an exceptionally hard problem, right? Not to say those people are problems. That's not what I'm trying to say here. I'm saying, the, the 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 gap is what can we do on the therapeutics on the scientific side to help them that's right. that chasm is the problem we're trying to address and like we've been throwing throwing intellectual resources at it for years and uh, and we won't we won't stop doing that until we can make some meaningful progress towards towards that end right. um and so you know we've Again, we've learned a lot over the years. We've made some mistakes, but I think, you know, we've got some really good insights into what we need to do. Um, and so, and we're making meaningful progress towards that right now. Thank you to our amazing community on Patreon for supporting this podcast. You can support us too and get different perks and gifts depending on which Neuro Jedi tier you sign up for. For example, if you're on our Neuro Padawan $5 tier, then you're probably listening to this episode a day early before it's public release. Your support helps us grow and continue to create this podcast. 
plus a portion of the proceeds go to a different cause or individual in the brain injury survivor community each month. Sign up at patreon.com slash the neuro nerds. We're in the middle still. I don't want to say in the middle, mm-hmm. hopefully towards the tail end of a once in a lifetime worldwide pandemic. Has that been difficult to keep your research moving forward? So I'd say yes and no. Um, honestly, the I'd say the research has not been a big problem. And the the biggest issue is actually on the recruitment side. I think on maybe, let's call it uh, perceptions of risk. And that's a lot of that's on the university side. But um, thankfully, because we can make strong justifications that these things need to be done, um, we've, we've basically had zero barriers, I think, um, in terms of, of progressing. Um, I think the larger barriers are not on the research side or actually on the real treatment side. I think that's been the biggest barrier, um, because so many of these clinics, you know, it's, uh, neuro rehab was perceived to be a not necessary procedure. And I say that with the, um, utmost disdain. And I think that has been the biggest barrier, I think, for from COVID. And and because that is the case, that has kind of impeded our ability to sometimes access individuals who might want to participate. Right. So I say that it's not like the research was stopping. It's because the people who would normally be um, working with potentially the referral sources are the ones that were not really getting there. So that it's kind of an upstream problem, not a, a downstream um, problem. So it, it's been wild times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially, oh, yeah, I have a, a survivor friend, a model okay. who lives in Hotlanta, and she's okay. lost seven members of her family during okay. this, which is just, it's it's mind-blowing. Like, it, it, yeah. it really is, and, and it just, it hurts my heart and soul, so I, I always hope uh, everybody's, uh, everybody stays safe. But that's also another really beautiful thing about the modus hand is the fact yeah. that you can do it in home. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to. Now, again, for the people that desperately need the modus hand or the modus foot, it's it's difficult to get up and go sometimes you could do this from the comfort of your own home <laughs> and for me it works out great because i hate wearing pants you know it's just <laughs> who wants to it's too constricting <laughs> who, who wouldn't want to do rehab and, and just hanging out in their drawers yeah. um yeah. so yeah that, that i just think that's uh, uh amazing i love that now the modus hand it's mostly you guys were aimed at stroke survivors correct yes let me qualify this by saying um the clinical trials that were done uh, we're almost exclusively focused on individuals who had either subacute or chronic stroke impairments. So, or I guess impairment secondary to stroke, um, whether that was hemorrhagic strokes or ischemic strokes. Um, so that that's kind of the the nuts and bolts of it. Uh, yeah, it's not just, but it can also be for basically anybody who's had any kind of physical um, uh, issue yep. after a brain injury. Now, does that is it only brain injury, or could it just be you know somebody who's had a physical injury? Period. You yeah. know, like a, yeah, a pitcher with a rotator cuff injury, they're having trouble with sure. their arm. Would, would that sure. um, help yeah. them with their functionality? Yeah. So let's. What I always do in this situation, Joe, and and this is um, uh, the little, the scientist clinician will come out a little bit here. Okay. I, what I always do is I it kind of I boil it back down to first principles, right? So. Whenever I'm, when, you know, and I often will do this, people will come to me and they say, hey, Nick, I've had a, a spinal cord injury, or I have multiple sclerosis, or I have been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, um, and I have these, these sorts of impairments. And what I say is, 
thanks so much for telling me your story. I'm really glad you were able to share it with me. It gives me great insight into who you are and your journey. Let me tell you what the devices can do and what we have strong evidence for. I explain that. Um, and again, I'm very, very transparent about the fact that the clinical trials were done in, um, uh, in stroke survivors. Um, and given all the context, I talk about the efficacy there. And what I do is I say, period. Now, as a provider, as what you would do in any case, what you do is you boil it down to first principles, right? How would I treat the person facing me in terms of their function, right? And so PT and OT is all about identifying impairments, developing interventional strategies that can help them improve that function or maintain or preserve what they have, right? Depending on what's going on with them. And in those cases, a lot of the interventions that I would do for someone that has stroke and has upper extremity impairments, someone has spinal cord injury and has upper extremity impairments, or someone with Parkinson's disease and has trouble with lead pipe rigidity or has trouble with, you know, ataxias or difficulty initiating movements, same, a lot of the same sort of approaches I would use, right? These are movement-based techniques that are designed to help people learn to reintegrate a limb back into the normal function, to improve the range of motion, improve their strength, reduce tone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So in that, with those sort of strong foundations, I say, it's certainly possible that this tool could be useful for you. Now, the big distinguishing feature among all of these different etiologies that one may say is it's all about the dosing, <laughs> honestly, right? Dosing is so critical. And this is why it's so frustrating to me that we don't have insight into this because that's the key determining factor about how I'm going to treat someone with a spinal cord injury versus someone with a traumatic brain injury or a stroke or someone with, with MS. MS particularly, because dosing is so important, meaning inflammatory disease, we have to make sure that we do not go too hard, right? Because that can cause additional problems. And so being able to control the dosing conditioned on someone's response in real time is absolutely the perfect solution, right? And so that's why I think these tools can be really applicable across multiple sort of domains, multiple different types of, of injuries or diseases. Um, but that's me talking about it from first principles of just general medicine. We don't have the data for it. And I'm always right. transparent about that. I say, well, the best thing to do in these cases is we try it and we ask ourselves very regularly, is this helping us? If it's, if it's helping us, great, let's proceed. If it's not, let's try to change things. Let's try to turn all the knobs and see if we can make it work for you. And if we come to a place where we have turned all the knobs, we need to look ourselves in the mirror and say, hey, We've tried. We've tried our best for this, and it's just not going to work. I'm I'm sorry, but I'm really glad we tried this, and now we know, right? So that that's my tact with this, and the and a lot of people have been doing that, right? We've had um, all those individuals, you know, individuals with spinal cord injury, individuals with traumatic brain injuries, individuals with um, uh, uh, MS and Parkinson's disease. All all those individuals have um, used these devices and had seen improvements, and so it's certainly possible. That's a, that's interesting. I, I it's yeah. I just see the the product. I can, I just see so many different levels yeah. <laughs> past yeah. brain injury where it could be beneficial. You know, specifically yeah. in in the sports world. You know. Oh yeah. I yeah. I really see that specifically baseball pitching. Like I see. Oh wow, that would be like a cool. I'm just saying. I I think Modus Nova is going to take. I think you're going to take over the world, you know, once it, like uh, Modus Nova turns into Skynet and it, no, no, we're, we're not talking about sentient robots. No, I, I honestly, Dr. I just think it's phenomenal what you guys are doing, you know, and I, I said it with um, David, um, the passion behind what you're doing is why I'm so excited about yeah. what you guys are doing. Like just the product alone, I think it's great for, for our community. I just think it's yep. tremendous and it's going to help so many people. 
But the fact that you guys actually put so much care into this is why I'm excited. It's why I'm always going to be on board with Modus Nova because you guys just have that that thing. You know, you're not just, oh, I'm just doing this for this reason. Mm -hmm. Like you as a brain injury survivor, you understand how this impacts the community, you know, Um, and, you know, a, a man of science, you understand how this can help people. And as a human being, <laughs> you understand how this can help people. That's why, that's why I, I'm all about how this is going to change people's day-to-days, you, like their quality of life, you know? And specifically, yeah. when you guys get to the, the I, don't, I don't say this to disparage anybody, the, the, what they've been called, they've been called helpless. That, mm. that, that tiny group of survivors that feel helpless and that nobody wants to help them, hey, Modus is coming for you guys. Yeah. You know, stay, stay patient. Uh, keep hope, keep fighting because they're, they're on their way. I'm just so thankful for what you guys do. And I'm just, I've become a huge fan uh, of you guys. And, you know, I, I just always want to help uh, as best I can. And this has been a, a great conversation. I loved talking to you, getting to know you, Dr. Nick. I also like saying Dr. Nick because it reminds me of the Simpsons. Clearly, you're not <laughs> hey, like Dr. that, Dr. Nick. <laughs> I honestly expected you to come out and be like, hey, everybody. No, that would have been really weird. Um, but, you know, th- at this point of the show, I do say that we are the neuro nerds over here. So yeah. I would like to know what your nerdum is, Dr. Nick. Yeah, so this is why I was going to laugh earlier when uh, uh, I remembered what David uh, brought up. And because, <laughs> you know, my background, right? So, uh, yeah, of course, it's cycling, right? Um, I... I started racing when I was like 14, um, and uh, I don't race anymore, of course, um, secondary to the injury, but I still have friends who are in the professional peloton racing the Tour de France, right? And so guys that I used to race with, and so I I am uh, a bit of a nerd when it comes to keeping up with my friends who are in Europe um, racing bikes. And um, so I, I, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit nerdy. I still know all the... Uh, all the races and the commentators and all that stuff. So that, that's, that would be my, my bit of a, my nerd out, I guess. So, so you're, you're, you're like, you're a cycle nerd. I'm a cycle nerd. Yeah. That's and then of course there's the, the real nerd, right? Of course, you know, you talk to me about, uh, you know, uh, spinal cord neurophysiology and circuitry about how you coordinate purposeful limb movement. I will of course go full nerd on you. We can talk about, you know, how uh, these, these really cool ion channels are absolutely critical for you keeping your neck upright, right? For keeping your head up straight, right? I love to talk about all these sorts of things. So, yeah. That, um, I love that. Can I tell you why I love that? Because there was sure. like a little bit of a switch that went on and the energy oh, yeah. and your aura completely changed. You know, it's it's almost like, you know, um, if you have somebody who's living in our country from a different country, and so English is their second language, but they have to speak mm. English all the time because of where they live. When they meet someone who speaks your native tongue, the energy changes. Your energy just changed like that. Like, oh, I get to talk about the thing that I'm passionate. You were speaking your language. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like anytime, you know, I run into somebody, it's like, oh, wait, you're a Marvel nerd. You're a Star Wars nerd. Let's talk. And then I'm like, oh, you guys are speaking my language. That's what you just did right now. I think that's amazing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, so. now let me let me ask you a, 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 just a real quick question about since, yeah. since you had a I'm sure the bicycle um the the bike crash was traumatic. Was it difficult to literally get back on that bike? Well, um technically speaking I was still on a professional contract. I I crashed in March of 2020 or of 2012. And so I still was on a professional contract. So I still had to do my job um unfortunately um so the other the well it stopped a little bit more abruptly because long story short they ended up actually finding a brain tumor um secondary to injury and so 
I was not able to, to, to continue. And so, yeah, the, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a complex story. So I was not able to, to race again. Um, but I did get back on the bike, um, and, um, and, and, and ride again. Um, I, I never raced again, but I've, I've, uh, I've ridden. And, um, so it wasn't hard. Uh, the first one was pretty hard. My, my mouth was wired shut. So it was pretty hard to breathe. So, I mean, physically it was pretty hard, <laughs> but, uh, but sure, sure. <laughs> was there the fear when you got on the bike is, oh my God, it's going to happen again. Um, no, oh, I don't think so. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was in a race, right? It, it, you know, someone basically did an unsportsmanlike behavior. So it wasn't my fault when it, when I went down, someone brake checked me and I went down. So oh, what was, a uh, dick. Sorry. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. So, um, so no, no, it, it was, it, it was like not my fault in the, in the, in the crash. So I wasn't worried about like my bike handling skills or, you know, whatever, right. but, um, yeah, no, it wasn't that bad. So if it came down to it race between you and David, who wins? Um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll say me. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I told David the same thing. I don't know how to ride a bike. I never learned how to ride a bike. So at that pivotal point in life, right, you yeah. you see it in all like I w- I'm 44 now. So I was born in 77. So like I grew up in the okay. 80s. Right. OK. So all the 80s move. You got E.T. And you're like all these really oh, yeah. these cool bicycle like moments in life. I never had that because around that yeah. age when everybody was like on their bikes and hanging out with their friends, I was moving. I moved around so much as a kid. Okay. I never had the roots in any place that I was at to actually befriend these kids and like, Hey, we're going to go around the the, the corner and ride our bikes yeah. for a couple blocks. I never had that. So then by the time I settled in out here in California, I was already close to being a teenager. And it's like, uh, uh, I don't want to ride a bike. I was too interested in girls. Sure, <laughs> so sure. that's what I was chasing. I never learned how to ride a bike. So my mission now post brain injury is to actually ride a bike. Cause I want to say, Hey, it's just like learning how to ride a bike. I want to be able to say that I can't cause yeah. I don't know how to ride a bike. So David well, said, here's a formal invitation, formal invitation. Come out to Atlanta. We'll ride bikes. Hot Atlanta. I'm in, I'm in because or, I, t- or, I or, or you want to twist my arm. I will come to California. I, you don't have to twist my arm very hard. I will come to California. I'll bring a bike. Hey, <laughs> uh, California. We are always open arms over here. Um, D- uh, David said, he's like, well, if you learn how to ride a bike, he's like, I'll make my way to California and we'll ride bikes. I'm like, I am in, I'll learn how to ride a bike just so I can hang out with the modus guys. Cause I think yeah, that'd be dope. Do you know, I, I, I'm hoping <laughs> hope of all hopes that I can do it without training wheels. I don't want to be that guy. You know, I fancy myself a pretty damn good athlete, and I, just, <laughs> I don't want to be on an adult tricycle. I don't want that. <laughs> it's okay. There's, there's, there's no judgment here, Joe, though. If you need it to start, that's fine. And then, as like anything, we will progress. We will make it more challenging for you as you improve your motor skills. We will slowly take the training wheels off, and then you'll be free. See, 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 this is the mind behind the modus. I just think it's, a, it's amazing. Honestly, Dr. Nick, I, I, like, I, I, I find your mind fascinating like i really do like i it's i think you need a reality show i i, I sincerely do oh and oh I, no. I, that would not be fun <laughs> for anyone <laughs> and i i just love the switch that turns on when you're speaking about mm. something that you're passionate about and speaking of that passion i love that for our community like i i sincerely do and i'm so thankful i'm so grateful for everything that you guys are doing you in particular because you're like the guy behind the, the the scenes almost, you know, even though you're in front of the scenes for me, because I saw your face all up on the intro to Modus Nova. So like, I feel like I've known you. I kind of feel like I've been in class with you. You know what I mean? 
Like you sure. were like sure. you're like the teacher. Sure. It's like, oh, I yeah. know this dude. So like when I met you, I was like, oh, pss, Cor- I know you. Like I, I already yeah. know you. I'm <laughs> I I am yeah. so I'm, I'm so thankful. I'm so appreciative of uh, you and everything that you you have done continue to do and will do that's what i'm really excited about i i'm very thankful what you've done up until today i'm always about hey what's next and what you have going on next is mind-blowing and to be honest it's going to be life-changing for so many people in our community not just our community like you you're you're expanding out like you you're you're like amazon you guys are like trying to take over everything it's amazing well, yeah, we're, we're trying because we know these things can be or not. We don't know yet because all the data specifically, but we're trying to see where these tools can help other people. Right. You know, we mentioned earlier about individuals with um, traumatic brain injuries, individuals with spinal cord injuries. You know, we're, we're doing active trials so that I don't have to have that that qualified statement of we don't have the data. Right. We're going to get the data. Right? We're going to do that. Like we're going to study individuals who had um, uh, uh, traumatic brain injuries, spinal cord injuries. And other types of cortical lesions. I know, um, I think September is, is aneurysm month, right? So yes. we're going to hopefully see if we can parse out the, the, you know, whether or not it has different types of effects in these different types of, of populations. And we want to see if we can help them. So that's, uh, um, we're really excited about um, uh, being able to, to help as many people as we can. And, and you are, you really, you really are, you know, you, you really are the, like the, the, the love and the care that you guys have put behind this is, is tremendous. And the amount of people that you've impacted is just, it's phenomenal. And I've seen this firsthand with my people. I've seen it firsthand, firsthand with Maddie, who I'm going to have on the show. And mm-hmm. she's going to give her testimonial about, uh, testimonial about what Modus has done for her. I yeah. met Maddie for the first time in person a few months, maybe what, two months ago. And I've okay. known Maddie a few years now, but I actually got to see her in person. She's a very short person. I don't know if you know this. She's like a pocket-sized person. Um, yeah. And I- Fun size. So, she is. She's absolutely fun size. <laughs> When I first met her, you know, I got to see just videos of her online and, and I was like, oh, wow, you know, she's she's been impacted like physically from mm-hmm. her, her stroke. The work that she's put in and where she was to where she is. And I know yeah. a huge chunk of that is what she's the work that she's put in with Modus. And I think it is just tremendous. It's amazing because Maddie is just she's such a good friend of mine and she's just such an amazing person. And I yeah. know what it's done for her. And everybody out there, it's, it's, it's accessible. Like this is, and there, and Modus is making it more accessible every, you know, every iteration of this is going to be more accessible to, to the people out there. And I'm just so thankful for, for everything that you guys uh, do and continue to do. Um, it's at this point in the show that I give out all of our socials. So Modus Nova, you can reach at modusnova.com. Definitely take their assessment. Um, see if Modus is right for you. And if you have any uh, physical impairment after brain injury, it's definitely, it should be right for you. You can reach out to my beautiful, tiny ass-kicking co-host, Lauren, at Lauren Almanzano on Instagram. You can reach out to me at Joso Rocks on all the socials. You can reach out to us at the NeuroNerds everywhere. Hey, and on that, beautiful Modus Nova is here to stay, changing the world, changing lives. Really, Dr. Nick, I'm so thankful for you. I appreciate you, and I cannot wait to ride bikes with you. I, I, I'm excited. I, I'm, I'm so jazzed about that. And on that two-wheeler note, <laughs> this neural nerd is out. Awesome. Awesome, Doc. That was great. I, I hope that good. was cool. I hope you had a, a good time. It was great chatting with you. Oh, yeah. It's, it's always fun. It's always fun. Neuro-nerd.
If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please consider leaving us a five-star review on the Apple Podcast app. Your reviews help us grow and reach more listeners like you. Find us by searching for the Neuro Nerds on the Apple Podcast app today.